Hey, um, so like Rylan said, um, my name is Noah McCormick. I'm the student pastor here at Central. Most of y'all I know, some of y'all I do not. So hello, if you would like to follow along with me inside of the sermon, you can just scan the QR code behind me or just go on our Church Center app and you can get the sermon notes there. That way you're not like, what did he just say? Yeah, he just said that. So um, this is pretty cool that I get to preach, not because... Um, I get paid to do it, but um, also because um, I, I just love the opportunity. Uh, Clayton's sitting over here. Everybody say, hi, Baldy. I mean, hi, Clayton. Uh, he's the one that's bald. Um, so it, that's, have you guys ever seen Austin Powers? This is not on script. Um, where it's like, moly, 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 moly. That's how I feel about that. I'm like, you're bald. Anyway, I'm balding. So that's um, all I can say. Ah, that's all I can think about. Um, but he had surgery this last week, and he tried to ser- he tried he wrote a sermon. But you know what it's like after you have surgery, and you're like, "What the schnozberries is like schnozberries," and and anyway, like that. So um, I am preaching today. Super glad to do it. October first. That means for me, it is fall, like inside of my head. Even though it was fall like two weeks ago, um, started a fall anyway, and we. <laughs> We get um, the, the pleasure of, of this like fall weather. I like it. Um, but it makes me want to just do a little bit of work at home and just like tidy up the house and get it smelling like cider and then watch a movie with my wife when we uh, put the kids to bed. Um, and then, but, but I, I love that. I love, love watching movies. And, um, and one of the movies that I thought that I was going to be able to watch, um, but we're going to figure out why in just a second, um, I was like, you know what? I haven't watched The Hobbit in so long. And what reminded me of it is that my kids are obsessed with Ed Sheeran's version, or it might be just the only version, of I See Fire. And, um, and we, we put it on the TV, and we go through it, and then I'm like, okay, let's go to another song. And they're like, no, I See Fire! And that's neat for them, uh, but it gets annoying to me. But I was like, hey, maybe this will stop it. I was like, Miles, my six-year-old, I was like, why don't we watch The Hobbit? So, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. We're men. We're going to watch this dragon movie together. And contrary to anybody, you guys might not agree with this parenting choice, but I sat down and I was like, okay, let's watch The Hobbit. Your, your mom's not going to be here in a while. So, um, so we're, we're, we go to it. And then I realized the reason why I like The Hobbit so much is because I liked Lord of the Rings so much when I was younger. And Lord of the Rings came out before The Hobbit. So it was, it's, The Hobbit is basically like the prequel to The Lord of the Rings. And a lot of things you can see, kind of, I know I'm boring a lot of you guys that aren't nerds like me, but, um, but I, I got to see this, this like before The Lord of the Rings. And actually, I like The Hobbit better. And just if you guys were wondering, it's 19 hours if you watch all The Hobbit movies and The Lord of the Rings together. So guess what me and Miles got to do? Watch 20 minutes of it. And, um, and, then, and then he realized, he's like, why is no one doing anything? And I was like, because we got like, to learn the characters, man. And he's like, I just, I'm not into that. So um, that's fine. So we, we're not going to watch it. And um, Caitlin's super happy about that because she didn't want me watching it anyway with him. Um, but we, um, we today, today we're going to start not, not with the prequel, but just like the Lord of the Rings came out what, before, we're going to start with the end of the story of Jesus. There's the last moments of Jesus being on this earth. And when, when we look at this in a second, I want you guys to see that this isn't talking about just like, 
a distant 2,000 years ago people. This is our call today. That's what it's all about. And that's what all sermons are all about when we look at the Bible. And we can get caught up in being like, man, that's a word I've never used before. And oh man, that seems like it's outdated. It's not. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for his word to work even 2,000 years later. And the, the wonderful thing about God is that he still works 2,000 years later. And we're going to talk about why that is today. But we've got the disciples, and they're standing with Jesus on a mountain ledge. I, I, I imagine it kind of like Lord of the Rings. Anyway, um, sorry, I was going to make a different illustration. It's not my notes, though. So um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. Then, so Jesus came to the disciples I, and said this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them or teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what this, what this is, is it is it's the prequel or not prequel it's the it's the conclusion of what Jesus did but it is also a sneak peek at what Jesus really does want for us and he wants us to have disciple cycles that may be a new phrase for some of you guys but um, but that's what we're going to say today we're going to disciple cycles because what it means is there there is a need for discipleship and the people to do it are the disciples and the disciple cycle that we're going to talk about today is just the disciple cycle. It's not a book that I'm going to say, well, you need to read this. It's not some kind of study. It's not some right now media video I need you guys to watch. No, this is just the disciple cycle that the disciples went, with, went through with Jesus. This is what he intended for the disciples, is to be in this disciple cycle where it doesn't stop, where it continues on forever and ever and ever and ever. And that sounds really warm and fuzzy, but the cost of discipleship is a lot. It's hard. You're met with opposition. The early disciples were, were all killed because it cost that much. The, the, the early disciples experienced so much heartache because of what they decided to do, but they believed in it so much. And the truth is, is that we are in that disciple cycle. Whether you want to be or not, if you call yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, a little Christ, whatever you um, save your son, I don't know, I'm just making up things. Um, whatever you call yourself, that means that you've given your life to Jesus. You are a disciple and you are in a disciple cycle. There's nothing you can do to stop it. If you're a Christian, you are a disciple. And you are supposed to be proclaiming the name of Jesus. And it changes kind of our outlook on what we're supposed to do as Christians. And it should. There's a very watered down American way of being saved and then going on with your life. But that was never the intention. It's not the intention now. And it will never be the intention of God. That you can be saved and you can sit comfortably inside of a chair every Sunday and do nothing. No, you are called to be disciples. So what was that call to be disciples? Well, let's look at the Bible. Matthew 4, 18 through 22 says this. One day, 
As Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they, were, for they fished for a living. They were fishermen, y'all. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John. They were sitting on a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing nets, and he called to them too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. The cost of discipleship for these disciples was to to follow Jesus. So whether you call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus, you are right. If you're a disciple, you're following Jesus. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be following him. And these disciples, they understood that. But why did these four men take this bold choice to follow Jesus? It's because he's worth following. Jesus, he was the Savior. He is the Savior. He is Redeemer. He is the Messiah, which means that he is the promised one. He is a righteous judge. He's a temptation resistor. He's the light of the world, hope to all. You can go on and on and on and on and say what Jesus is and was and will always be. It is never ending. But did they know this? No, I don't think so. But they knew there was something different. And through the word of the day, discipleship, they didn't just continue in their old ways. They understood who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing. And the truth of the matter is all those things that I just said, Jesus revealed to himself, or not himself, to his disciples before he left earth. Before he died, before he defeated death, he told his disciples that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, which fulfills like five of the things I just said. It's out of the desert being tempted, but never giving into temptation, living this perfect life. He resisted temptation. He was the perfect example. And it was the only sacrifice good enough that when he did die, it was sufficient. That his blood, his sacrifice is good enough to save us from the wrong things we've done. That's powerful. And the disciples, they came to know this. It wasn't that they knew this immediately. So if you are a baby Christian, I only call baby Christian because like sometimes I feel like I'm a baby Christian too. But, but a, a Christian, that, a young Christian that, that maybe you just started following Jesus and you may think to yourself like, I still do some of the stuff I used to do and I'm working through that. We'll keep working through that with Jesus. There's a, a really cool quote from a song. I, I'm not going to sing it to you because you know I'm not the singer, but It's this. Oh, I almost lost it. Yes, I got it. God is going to have to change your heart before he changes your shirt. And there's never been a more truthful statement, especially, and I I say that, probably the teenagers have heard that already. Get over it. But it's this. If you see somebody and how they dress, what they wear, how they show themselves to the world is completely contrary to God. And then they find a relationship with Jesus. They submit to him. And then they're like, oh, Why do they still look like a non-Christian? It's because God is changing their heart. They're in the process of discipleship. And we shouldn't deter that. We shouldn't be be like, well, now that you do this, you should 
You should completely throw away everything. No, it's as Jesus leads you to do stuff, as you're discipled by him, you can grow in him and you can understand like the things that I, that I want to do, I don't want to do. I'm, di- I'm disgusted by them because my body tells me to do this or my mind tells me to do this or just like muscle memory tells me to do this, but I'm not living like that anymore. I am changed. I am new. Uh, what, what Jesus called these, these men to, to just throw off is incredible. Luke 9, 23, it says this, and this is for us as well. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. He's basically saying that even to the point of death, I want you to follow me. And actually, it's, it's not a want, it's a requirement. Right? It's a whatever it takes mentality. It's, it's I will follow you to the ends of the earth mentality. It, it, was, it was this, for these four men at least, it was this, that they gave of all of their comfort, that their careers, their possessions, their positions, their family, their friends in some instances, their safety, their sin, their identity. The disciple cycle, it changes your identity. And we, we may not recognize that immediately, but that's exactly what it does. You aren't the same as what you of what you were before Jesus. You're not. You ought to be changed. And you will be changed through discipleship, through close relationship with Jesus. As you submit to him, the Holy Spirit leads you inside of your life to do the things that may sound crazy to the world, but the Bible says they're right. And you say, I will follow you no matter what the cost is. And the cost for these men, the cost for us, is to say that nothing's off limits. God, you, you want to you change my career for your glory? I'll do it. You, you want to you mess up my family just so the gospel can, can infiltrate it? Go for it. And for me, that's super difficult. It's probably easy for you guys. Y'all are like, my family, totally fine. They're crazy. But me, it's hard for me to say to my family, like my immediately family, cool. My wife, my kids, cool. I'm like, Jesus. But to my extended family, it's hard to stand up and, and be like, I'm a Christian. I, I'm going to follow him with all of my heart. And it doesn't matter what you do or say, you're not, you're not going to be able to, to shake the faith that I have. And I'm going to lead out in a certain way. That's hard. But that's what Jesus calls us to do. The beneficial thing that we have is that we have a 66-book love letter and that's like just like bursting with things to tell us about our life and, and how we should live our life. And the beautiful thing is that we can listen to it and we can read it and we can put it into practice and we actually don't have to follow Jesus physically like step by step in sandals through Galilee and all of that stuff. We're a lot more comfortable and I'm not saying we have to live comfortably, uh, but I'm saying that we get to live comfortably. Like, that's how God places. <clears throat> it is a benefit to us. <clears throat> so the discipleship cycle, it costs whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to follow him, whatever it takes it, it, uh, to, to change your ways. But we immediately, and maybe some of you have already started thinking about this, the things that you're saying to leave your family, to 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 put your, your career aside, to put your possessions aside. All of that sounds like a lot. 
It sounds like something that's going to weigh me down. And the truth is, is that Jesus, he's going to understand, he already did understand, that we're going to have these feelings of being like, oh, but that's going to be hard, or that's going to be uncomfortable, or that's going to take too long, or that's going to take not long enough, or whatever. We have Jesus' words saying this, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. It says, come to me. This is what Jesus said. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy, heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Teach me, or let me teach you because I am humble and gentle. He is humble and he is gentle at heart. And you will find rest when you're, for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And you know why he didn't say, he didn't just stop at burden? Because burden, we think, we're like, oh, we're carrying along this big suitcase full of rocks. And it's like, Jesus, to your glory, I'm going to do this. I'm going to suffer. It's going to be for you. No, not that at all. He said yoke because he wants us to understand it's not what we carry. It's what he puts on us. The yoke that he puts, like, like the burden that's on you, that's like across your shoulders, it is pointing you, your face, where you need to face. That's what it's doing. It's, you're, you are being guided by Christ. And it's not, it's not a, a, a like painful like process of, of like, man, I can't even breathe. It's life. It's breath. He gave you the breath. He doesn't want you to lose that breath. He wants you to use that breath. For what? For his glory. To proclaim Jesus. So we, we are called to have that burden upon us, that yoke upon us, that wherever God wants us to look, that's where we're looking. Where he wants us to go, that's where we're going. So he, so he can help us. He can guide us through our life. And that's what he told his disciples. He said, okay, if you want to follow me, you, you've, you've got to lay down everything. And, that, and they did that. They said, I've, I've laid down everything. And then he said, but if you follow me, it's going to cost everything. And they said, we will sign up for that. And he said, I'm going to put something on you that you won't have to feel like you're alone. You will feel like that you have peace, that you will have, that you will have uh, warmth, that you'll, you'll be able to be guided well. So they're, they're like, all right, sign me up. So Jesus continues to teach them. And the next thing he teaches them is this, that they need to go. Like leave. Not at the end of his life where he's like, go and make disciples. Not yet. He takes his disciples in Matthew 10. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, he even names his disciples. He's like, here's all the disciples. And guess what I asked them to do? To go. It says this, Matthew 10, 6 through 8. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, God's chosen people. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. They're, they're going to understand that in the context of how they live as Israelites, the people of Israel. This is the crazy part that we will just completely forget about. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons freely. You have received freely give. So you're healing people of sick stuff. You're driving demons out and you are freely giving out of what you have been, uh, what you've got. And that's hard for us to take because um, we don't live in a society where that would be normally understood and, and liked. 
I mean, you think about like um, how fanatical you may feel that it would be to go and heal somebody or to raise somebody from the dead or to give of everything that you have. But at the, po- the moment that God wants you to give of everything that you have, God is going to lead you to that. If ever there's a situation where you do have to raise somebody from the dead, that is going to happen and God, that is on God. That is not on you. And anytime that you're going to lay your hands on someone and heal them, it is not you, it is God. So what Jesus wants these disciples to know is that whatever you, you, whatever you see out there when you go in, in Jesus' name is that, that it is not by you, it is only by the power of God that you can do anything. But we can use this in our context because not all healing needs to be physical, right? There are people in your own family, friends that you have, and strangers that you're going to meet in your life that need healing. They need the love of Jesus, and they need you, just your presence. They need you to show up for them. So show up for them. Pray with them. Yet a lot of times in the Bible, that that's all that God asks of his people, is just to pray. You think about Daniel inside of the Old Testament. All he did was pray, and God used him. He didn't say, I bet y'all can't put me in a lion's den. No, he didn't want that. But God led him to that. The same inside of your life. God is going to lead you to do things that are bigger and better and just so much bigger and better than you could ever imagine. It's because God is leading you inside of your life. Is because you've laid down everything and you're going to go in his name. So not all healing is physical. Not all, not all people are actually dead. Everybody's going to die, but it's just horribly sad. And we mourn that. But everyone is spiritually dead until they give their hearts, their lives to Jesus. Right? Everyone. And there's a very real enemy that wants to see us lose. Even as Christians, the enemy is prowling around. Even as Christians, we, 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 uh, we feel the effects of sin in our own life, caused by ourselves and from other people. Also, there's just this big bad boy trying to trip us up at every step of the way. And you don't hold, you should not hold that to yourself. You should spread that. You, you should be able to say to people, I'm praying for you. Pray for me. God, help me. Help me help other people. That, that should be our hearts. That's what we're called to go and do. But we're also called to go and talk to people about Jesus. It's not for the pastors. It's not for the right now media um, video people. It's not for authors and it's not for these these people on on tiktok it's not for your small group leader no it's for all of them but it's first for us as disciples the disciples were insignificant humans they were not leaders of the synagogue they they were not privy to the the scrolls at all times No, they had to hide the word of God in their hearts and they were called to go. And they had the benefit of hanging out with Jesus. And it wasn't just the 12, it was hundreds more that were hanging out with Jesus, doing stuff with Jesus and 
And, and God chose them to be the first disciples, so to start these disciple cycles. That they can say, whatever it takes, we're going to do it. And then that continued on, continued on, continued on, continued on. But it all came out of these 12 disciples that Jesus was like, follow me. I'm going to show you what you should do. Lay down everything. Understand it's not a burden. And then go. He teaches this and so much more stuff. He gives so much more life. And there's so many parables that teach us about the ins and outs of life. And, and specifically how should we should deal with people. And what about favoritism. And, and what about hate. And what about love. And what about all of this stuff. But it all boils down to Jesus he lives this perfect life. He dies on the cross. He defeats death by coming back to life. And then he hangs out on the earth. And then before he goes back up to heaven, he does this mic drop. Matthew 28, 20 says this. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's how he ends it. He's like, everything I've taught you, do it. And we have the burden of being like, are we going to do that? Do what we've learned. So many people, it, it goes like this. So I'm going to skip a, a long time. So there were, there was, uh, let's just pick, um, just pick Peter. Peter was talking to this one guy about Jesus and what he did. That guy was like, hey, that sounds awesome. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow Jesus. And he becomes a disciple. And then so many years later, June 15th, 2005, Mr. Noah, Noah is standing, just weeping, hearing the gospel for the first time where it hit me in such a way that I'm like, I need Jesus, and I give my life to Jesus. And that starts my discipleship cycle. And then he takes little old Noah, insignificant, nothing spectacular about Noah and uses me to do spectacular things that I should not have gotten the chance to do. And that's not special to me. That is what he has done in your heart. That is what he is doing in your life. That's what he is going to continue to do with y'all's lives. He has this plan for you and it is discipleship. It is to be a disciple, to understand that that you don't live for yourself, you don't give yourself good advice. You just don't. What you, what you get is good advice from the Father, from the Holy Spirit that leads you to do good things, the right thing. And it's only by Him that you can achieve anything. So, you lay it, lay it all down and you decide to not stop the cycle. But I have a question. Are you a cycle stopper? Are you? Do you stop the cycle because you don't want to disciple others or you yourself don't want to open yourself up to being discipled? You like the secret things that you keep secret. You like that you can manage your sin. You like that you don't have to be vulnerable with anyone. You like that you can feel like that you and God have an understanding and that's why you don't always have to go to church. That you and God have an understanding so you don't always have to pray. You and God do have an understanding, but, but you're missing 
50% of what he's called you to. When he, when he called you out of death and into life, he gave you a new identity. He saved you. So when, so when he sees you, he doesn't see sin. He sees his son that saved you. And then if he wanted to, he could have ended your life, but he didn't. He allowed you to live. Live to this moment, to hear these words, to be a disciple, to not stop the disciple cycle, but continue that on. And as corny as this is going to sound, this is illustrated perfectly by honeybees, okay? Honeybees, did you know that they don't talk like with their mouths? Bee movie ruined us, okay? Because it made us feel like that bees just are going to come and talk to us, but they're not. This is how they talk. They go, and let's just say one bee goes and finds a flower with pollen on it. They get the pollen on, on it, they go back to the hive, and then they don't say, hey guys, you're down to turn south and then left, and then you're taking, and then you'll see a big old tree, and under that tree, there's a flower you can pollinate. No. No. They do what they call the waggle and rotation. That is a scientific term. Waggle and rota rotation dance, where they literally is like this. And then they turn around and they do it again. And they turn around and they do it again. And that tells the other bees in the hive where to go find honey. Super, super strange. But guess what? It works. It works so well that a bee can do that. Okay, that was bee talk. <laughs> I'm fluent. Okay. The other bees will see that bee doing that, will go get the pollen, bring it back, and then all of them will do the bee rotation waggle dance thing. And it's not like the bee movie. It's not this, this situation where, where there's these pollen jocks, where it's just these, these like muscular, manly People that are like, I'll go and get the honey. And then Jerry Seinfeld's like, well, I'd like to get some honey too. Um, it's not like that. It, it is this, this wonderful, wonderful thing that God created. And, and what it teaches us about discipleship, it teaches us about being a Christian, is that one person doesn't leave this church, do something awesome, come back and be like, hey, I led someone to Jesus. It's not, hey, I know where more people need to know about Jesus. And then everybody goes, yes, I follow him on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. It's like, yes, I like that guy. He's doing good. He's doing it for Jesus. No. We should be, <laughs> this is horrible. We should be running in here doing a little waggle dance. People should follow us and run out. And that's not true. Not exactly like that. We have discipleship. And what... What happens if bees don't pollinate flowers? Well, the flowers die. And what happens if we don't go to the world with the gospel? So we are called to go. Nature is yelling this at us. That we should not hide the good to ourselves, but we should go to the world with it. It's amazing. That's what God's called us to do. And that's what we're going to do here at Central. It's the model 
that God has for us. It's the same thing that he did with Moses and Joshua and Eli and Samuel and Elijah and Elisha and Paul and Titus and Paul and Timothy and Jesus and his disciples and countless other times where there are people who were investing in other people and they were leading into more investment, which is discipleship. If you miss it, you're like, oh, he said disciple or investment. That's not discipleship. That is discipleship and investing in each other, leading each other on, spurring each other on, praying for each other and not leaving people in the dust, not leaving people in the hive to die. We ought to be going. And how do we go? Well, first we've got to fix what's going on here. We've got to store this up in our hearts. We've got to lead this way with each other. I'm going to gush about Central for a second, and I don't want you guys to be like, well, he just got up there, and he sold us on Central. No, if you don't belong to this church, and you feel like you're like visiting, you're like, this is not my church, I want you to take what you've learned today and go to another church, and you be a disciple there. But if you belong to Central, you, you ought to know of the great things going on here at Central. Our kids' ministry on Wednesday nights, they've got these things called tracks. And at these tracks, there are these, these adults that have decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to invest into uh, kids' lives. And I'm going to use, not just be like, I'm going to beat them over the head with a Bible. Which some of you guys, it might have worked when you were a kid. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes you've got to relate with somebody, like a normal person, and say, hey, what do you like to do? Well, guess what? That relates to Jesus, and let me show you how. So um, check this out. So on Wednesday nights, and they've got these track times, and um, they go through things like Bible drill, like so you can sign up. Kids can sign up. Like, hey, I want to do Bible drill. I want to learn how to like flip to a page in the Bible really, really quick. That's awesome. They can do that. But also stuff like finger knitting, pine car derby, American Sign Language, hand drums, STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. And, and they go through science, engineering, technology, and math for the Bible and flight and projectiles, which the projectiles seem super cool. And I can only think of a gun. And I'm like, are we shooting guns here at Central? And we're not? I checked. That I know of. So there's also drama. There's kickball. There's art. There's fishing. There's handbells. There's music, there's cookie baking, there's praise dance, there's the what's in the Bible study, Bible study that they can sign up for. So if kids want to know about Jesus, there's no excuse. If they want to come up here and they want to dance, we're going to let them waggle and dance their little hearts out and we're going to tell them about Jesus. If people want to know about how to bake cookies, we're going to do that. If people want to know about fishing, we're going to do that. We're going to tell them about Jesus. We're going to disciple them. And let me just show you, like, these are the track team leaders. These are people from, real humans from our church that are doing something. They are discipling the next generation. And then um, it doesn't stop there because those that are being discipled, they don't just like sit there and be like, well, I hope the youth have something cool. No, they're actually discipling those who are younger. Check this out. Check out this group of kids that are right now, this is amazing, Right now, these kids are leading other kids in Bible study, in music, in prayer, in games, equipping these kids to know Christ. 
They're discipling others here at Central. And they get to do that. That's not me, because it's not on me. That's not Clayton or Mindy. That's not your small group leader. It's none of that. It is them stepping up and saying, I'm going to disciple. The student ministry tonight, we're starting something called Next Groups. And Next Groups is this, we've got 12, um, 12 people from the student ministry team that are not me, that are saying, I want to invest into sophomores, juniors, and seniors. So they are all taking 21 sophomores, juniors, and seniors from our student ministry, and they're investing into them. They're taking an interest in what they like. They're praying for them. They're Bible studying with them. They're saying, what can I pray for? What can I do inside of your life? What's going to make your, your life easier? How can I talk to you? And discipling them. And these kids that are being discipled are like, this is amazing. This is a breath of fresh air. But tonight they get to do something different. Because tonight, those adults, they're not there. These sophomores, juniors, and seniors, they're going to show up here for next groups. Are they going to sit there and just talk to each other until their faces are blue? No. They're going to disciple 24 junior hires and freshmen that have decided, no, I don't want to just sit in a church and learn nothing. I want to be discipled. Well, they're going to be discipled by the people who are just a few years older than them that are discipled from people who are some of them a few years older, some of them much older than. And this is, this is a disciple cycle all the way through. But it doesn't stop because the men tonight, central men, step up. This is a time where, where we can practice together. We can mentor. We can know Christ better. We can multiply as men that are modeling, practicing, and multiplying for Jesus. So, which means that when people come here, that men, that we're not saying like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Why are you such a bad dad? Why don't you do good things? Why are you a horrible human? No, that does not work. What does work is men getting together and being like, I'm just here for the barbecue, right? Step up tonight, 5.30. There's, there's barbecue, there's yard games, there's going to be a speaker, but it's not for the speaker, it's not for the barbecue, it's not, it is for central men to get together inside of a room and be together for once in our stinking lives, that we can be discipled. This is the start of something that is going to be, um, that, that's going to be helpful to us as we model in our own lives and other, for other people, as we practice together and as we multiply as a men's ministry to make the gospel known everywhere in the context of our jobs, in our families, with our possessions, with our finances, with our life, where we step up and we do something for our licking, lacking life, Right? But, it, but men, it, there, there's another piece. is women, right? So, the women, there, there's this Bible study um, called Women of the Word. You can sign up for it anytime. And what happens is, is you, you sign up for this, uh, for this Bible study. It's discipleship. It may not be called discipleship, but it is discipleship. It probably is just called discipleship. I'm not a girl. They don't tell me a lot of things. So, but you sign up for it, and once they get a full group, they send out that group to be discipled together. 
that they can go through this women of the word, that they can actually understand true discipleship together, that it's not this big daunting thing of like, how am I going to be the woman that I'm supposed to be? How am I supposed to be the mom that I'm supposed to be? How am I going to be the wife that I'm supposed to be? No, it is saying like, like, let's figure this out together. Let's not shame each other, but let's spur each other on. Let's be in this discipleship together. And that, that's here at Central. That, that, that's what we've, we've understood, that, that there is a disciple cycle. We should be part of it. At every piece of your life, you should be part of this discipleship. Whether it's uh, Wednesday Bible studies, which we have. Whether it's Sunday morning small groups or Sunday night small groups or Thursday night small groups or whatever it is. We, we, there should not be a time where you think, there's not a place, and it's not here at Central. In your life with your relationship with God, there should not be a time where you think, you know what? I think God's walked out on me. He hasn't. I promise you. If anybody's walked away from your relationship with Jesus, it's you. Because what did he say at the, at the end? He said, I am with you to the, even to the end of the age. Always going to be here. He'll be here. You can bank on it. So discipleship, it's not just getting, it's giving. What are, you, what, are you, what are you getting? What are you giving? And it's constantly asking yourself that. God, are you calling me to give? Are you calling me to, to sit and listen? Should I humble myself? Should I, should I spur on someone else, pray for somebody else? Should I disciple someone? Should I be discipled? And you can ask those questions as an 80-year-old. You can ask those questions as an 8-year-old. And we don't want to stop that here at Central. So if you're 80 or if you're 8, you can ask those questions. And not me, but us as a church, we will all be plugged into the right spot to be the church. So two things out of today and I'm gone. The, the band is going to come up here. Ryan's going to come up here. He's going to sing a song. And during that invitation, I want to invite you if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, if you are sitting here, you're like, I want to be part of a disciple cycle, but I don't even have a relationship with God. You need to give your life to Christ. And it's not a prayer that saves you. It is, it is a movement of your heart that you say, you say, I'm laying everything down. And the best way to do that is to pray. And say, God, I'm so sorry for everything I've done. I give my life to you and I commit to following you the rest of my life. And these steps are a wonderful place to do that. So if you want to give your life to Jesus, I encourage you, I challenge you to come up. Please give your life to Jesus. That was a step of obedience. But also, if you, if you do have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have discipleship, this is a great place to pray. God, help me see the discipleship I should be a part of inside of my life. Or, you just want to come up here and pray for what Central's doing at this church. We don't want to do it in vain, and we definitely don't want to do it on our own ability. So pray for us. I'm going to be down here, which means nothing. If God's leading you to lay down anything, whether it's your life, or it's your sin, or it's your time, regardless, Lay it down at his feet and let him guide you, disciple you, so you can make disciples.
Let's pray. God, you're super gracious to us. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for a 47-minute sermon that's too long. God, I love you so much. And I trust that you are going to work in and through us to accomplish your will. Pray us, pray, I pray that for us it's central that we won't be conceited. That, that we won't do things just for our own glory, but we will give the glory back to you. And God, I pray if there's anyone in here that doesn't have a relationship with you, that they will, they will enter into a relationship with you. They will become a disciple today, a Christ follower, Christian, for your glory and your glory alone, God. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. Always give you glory. Always give you praise. Forever and ever. Amen. We are super glad that you decided to join us today. And if you watch us every week, we're so glad that you join us. And if you're watching right now for the very first time, um, we want to just say, welcome to the family. We're so glad that you're here. Um, if you're someone who during the message, you thought, you know what? I want to know more about Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus. And I, I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Uh, we want to connect with you. So if you could text forgiven to 94,000, and that way, one of our ministers can reach out to you and you can begin that conversation of knowing how God can change your life. Um, here at Central, we truly do believe that Jesus changes everything. See you guys later.